The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Wall Street prepares for today's Fed decision and news conference. Amazon freezes hiring in one of its profitable businesses. Three big pharmacy chains reach a multi-billion dollar settlement in the opioid crisis. And financial leaders take stock of the global economy at a summit in Hong Kong. Two Newark police officers were shot as the suspect remains on the loose. Plus campaigning with only six days until the midterm election. Elections. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Nets made a coaching change and then lost. The local hockey teams all won. The Phillies shut out the Astros in Game 3 of the World Series. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Hey, good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 13 points, Dow futures up 76, NASDAQ futures up 47, the DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent, 10-year Treasury, little change, yield 4.04 percent, and the yield on the two-year, 4.50 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin this morning with today's Fed decision and news conference from Jay. Powell. Wall Street's been waiting for it all week. Let's get a preview now from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. The focus of the November Fed meeting is going to be the December Fed meeting. Once again, central bankers have told us they intend to raise interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point to four percent this week. But there have also been some hints from some Fed officials and some data that they might dial back to a half-point rise in December and a quarter-point rise after that. Much will depend on how the economy develops, but markets would like a better idea of just how high the Fed will go. Answering that question without creating more market volatility will be Chairman Jay Powell's main job after Wednesday's meeting. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks, and stay with Bloomberg Radio and Television for live analysis of the Fed decision. It all begins at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. And as we await that policy decision, Nathan, the chorus is growing louder that rate hikes will eventually lead to a recession. Luke Ellis is chief executive officer of Man Group. You're going to get a recession in the U.S. That's sort of inevitable. If they want to get rid of inflation, if they want to get inflation down to a 2% target, then yes. I'm sorry, there is a theoretical soft landing runway, but it's so thin you wouldn't want to try to land a plane in a hurricane in it. And Man Group CEO Luke Ellis sees U.S. inflation slowing to 35 to 4% as soon as next year. Well, Karen, M&A on Wall Street's been slowing down, but David Solomon expects that to change. The Goldman Sachs CEO sees a recovery in deal-making next year. He makes remarks about that and the current state of financial markets. Generally speaking, when we've had these periods in the past, it takes somewhere between two and four quarters, sometimes maybe six quarters, you know, to rebalance. I think we're going through that rebalancing period. 
I think there's still a significant amount of uncertainty, but as we get into 2023 and we start to have a clear understanding of the trajectory of capital markets. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon spoke at today's Global Financial Investment Summit in Hong Kong. Well, Solomon is one of several financial leaders attending that summit, Nathan. HSBC CEO Noel Quinn is also there. And we caught up with him to discuss the impact COVID is having on the Chinese economy. The COVID is a big story because with with a restriction in movement into and out of China, it's very hard for the international community to reconnect with that economy. But it will rebound and China will open up at some point in time. But I think it is important for the economy, for China eventually, to find a solution to the COVID strategy. HSBC's Noel Quinn sees Asia as a strong platform for growth. Stay tuned for more of that interview coming up shortly right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Turning back to markets, Karen, stocks in Asia rose again overnight on optimism COVID restrictions will ease. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Afternoon trade in Hong Kong was halted due to a storm. However, the Hang Seng Index still posted its best two-day gain since March. Mainland shares also climbed as investors tried to weigh speculation that China may scrap its COVID zero policy. In Taipei, Honhai shares rose despite China locking down the Zhengzhou Airport Economy Zone, where Foxconn's iPhone plant is located to cut the COVID spread. And the yen strengthened for a second straight day, with traders considering the risk that a hawkish Fed may boost the dollar to levels that trigger fresh intervention on a Japanese holiday. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thanks. Well, staying in China now, Bloomberg News has learned that Tesla shut its flagship showroom in Beijing last month. The electric car maker has a number of showrooms in China's capital, and the one now shuttered was in a shopping center in a residential area. For the most part, Tesla sells cars via an online direct sales model rather than through dealerships or showrooms. In other corporate news, Karen, Amazon's taking more measures to align expenses with a slowdown in sales. We get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Bloomberg News has learned that the world's largest e-commerce company is freezing staffing levels in its profitable advertising business. The decision to keep the advertising unit workforce at its current level shows Amazon is looking to squeeze more profit out of the fast-growing business in the busy holiday quarter. Amazon's advertising business, largely sponsored search results on its web store, generated more than $9.5 billion last quarter. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. Well, shares of Airbnb are on the move this morning, down 5.5% in early trading. That's after a disappointing outlook for bookings in the fourth quarter. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It suggests that consumer preferences are shifting away from higher-cost rentals that thrived during the pandemic and back to urban and cross-border destinations. The San Francisco-based home-sharing platform said it expects the pace of nights and experiences booked will, quote, moderate slightly in the fourth quarter compared with the third quarter's gain of 25%. Airbnb reported 99.7 million nights and experiences booked in the three months ended in September, falling short of analyst estimates of 99.9 million. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thanks. And finally, it's one of the last big settlements over the opioid epidemic. Sources tell us CVS Health, Walgreens Boots Alliance, and Walmart have tentatively agreed to pay $12 billion to resolve state and local lawsuits over mishandling of addictive painkillers. We're told the deal won't be finalized until enough states, cities, and counties agree to it. S&P futures are higher by 10 points. Dow futures up 50 Six Nasdaq futures up 39 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines in the check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
Southbound 507 on Wall Street. We're at 58 degrees in Central Park. Got an accident on the westbound Grand Central Parkway. It's by 188th Street. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Two Newark police officers were found wounded in a shooting in a residential neighborhood not far from the city's airport. The Essex County Prosecutor's Office says the officers were being treated for injuries at a nearby hospital. One was shot in the leg, the other in the neck. However, both are said to be in stable condition. Essex County Acting Prosecutor Ted Stevens says the suspected shooter, Kendall Howard, faces charges and remains on the loose. Two counts of attempted murder on the officers, as well as unauthorized possession of a weapon and unauthorized possession of a weapon for unlawful purposes. Prosecutor Stevens says the gunman opened fire on police as they were serving a search warrant. A New York appeals court upheld a new state law allowing absentee ballots to be reviewed before Election Day. The court says it would be extremely disruptive to change the rules with absentee voting already underway. Republicans challenged the law. Former President Obama stumped for Democrats last night in Las Vegas with less than a week to the midterm elections. Obama campaigned for incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada's Senate race. Obama was critical of Republicans. They want to gut Social Security and Medicare and then give their wealthy friends and big corporations more tax cuts. Polls show a dead heat between Masto and Republican Adam Laxalt. Another closely watched Senate race is Pennsylvania between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz. Dr. Oz hit the campaign trail in Lower Bucks County speaking at a get-out-the-vote rally in Ben Salem Township last night. Washington's getting it wrong because of the extreme positions that they're accepting of. And they need a dose of Pennsylvania reality. Fetterman's lead over Oz is shrinking, with 49% supporting Fetterman to 44% for Oz. Former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be heading toward victory in national elections. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorize the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. These are good times in Philadelphia. The Eagles are 7-0, and the Phillies are two wins from what would be just their third-ever World Series title. They won Game 3 over the heavily favored Astros, 7-0. The Phillies hit five home runs. Houston had only five hits. The series is 2-1. Game 4 in Philly tonight. A whirlwind day in Brooklyn. The Nets had a, quote, parting of the ways with Coach Steve Nash just Seven games into the season, and then came multiple reports they were on the verge of replacing Nash with Ime Udoka, a Nash assistant in Brooklyn, who then coached the Celtics to the NBA Finals last season, but is now serving a team-imposed year-long suspension for an improper relationship with a Celtics employee. Jacques Vaughn coached the Nets last night at Barclays. They blew a lead. Chicago won 108-99. to Zach Levine outscored the Nets by himself in the fourth quarter. Kevin Durant scored 32, also had seven turnovers, and Kyrie Irving shot two of 12, missed all six of his three-pointers. The Nets fall to two and six. At the Garden, Rangers and Flyers scoreless for 64 minutes. Here's Hayes into the Rangers zone, down the right side. 
Back out, Konecki shoots, misses the net. Buck Harris all the way around. Here comes Savanajad. Lead pass, breakaway. Chris Kreider moving in. In overtime, Deeks and scores! Rangers win! ESPN New York to call. The Chris Kreider game winner. Rangers third straight win after a four-game skid. Devils are hot. They won 5-2 in Vancouver. And the Islanders won 3-1 at Chicago. First rankings from the college football playoff committee. The top four are Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. John, thanks. S&P futures now up six points. Dow futures up 26. NASDAQ futures also higher by 26 points. The 10-year treasury is little change now. The yield 4.04%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Equities are advancing ahead of the Federal Reserve's policy meeting, a gauge of the dollar falling, gold rising. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up seven points this morning. Dow futures up 31. And NASDAQ futures up 28. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury little change, yield 4.04 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.50 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up four-tenths percent, or 38 cents at $88.77 a barrel. Comex gold up half percent or $7.70 at $16.57.40 an ounce. The euro, 0.9891 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1499. And again, 147.14. Bitcoin this morning, little change at 20000 about $20,500 now. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro reportedly told members of the country's Supreme Court that his election battle against leftist rival Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva has come to an end, marking one step closer toward a concession after his defeat. Israel's fifth election in four years looks set to return Benjamin Netanyahu to power, with exit polls suggesting his strategy of forming an alliance with the nation's far right has succeeded. Game three of the World Series, the Phillies shut out the Astros 7-zip. Philadelphia now leads the series two games to one. In the NBA, after the firing of head coach Steve Nash, the Nets lost to the Bulls 108-99. The Warriors lost. NHL, the Rangers won in overtime against the Flyers 1-zip. The Islanders, Devils, and Capitals all won. The Bruins won in OT 6-5 over the Penguins. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. The heads of some of the world's top financial institutions are descending on Hong Kong this week for the Global Financial Investment Summit. It's an effort by the city to show it is still Asia's premier financial hub after a tumultuous few years. The CEO of HSBC, Noel Quinn, talked about Hong Kong and China with Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann and David Inglis, and he also talked about their economic prospects. What did you make of what happened inside and you know, the messages that came through from policymakers in Hong Kong and also mainland China? 
Well, it's great to be back in Hong Kong. It's great to see colleagues from around the world back here in Hong Kong. It's my third visit this year. Um, so Congratulations. Thank you. You made it. Thank you. Yeah. Quarantine warrior. And it's, it's good not to be in quarantine this time. And I think that's the story for Hong Kong. Hong Kong is now rebounding. It's coming back out of the COVID problems. There's a very determined uh, attitude from the government here to make sure Hong Kong can rebound, that the economy is open to the international community. And it's important for us, the international community, to actually support Hong Kong on that journey. What do you think has been, for you, the biggest thing that you want to get away from this conference, and HKMA or even the government? What is your immediate request? Well, there's some very clear policy statements this morning from the chief executive on how he and the government and mainland want Hong Kong to be an international financial center, to remain as that. They've launched a number of policies to try and make sure that Hong Kong remains open to the world. They've made determined progress on unlocking Hong Kong following COVID uh, since the summer, and it's great to see that progress. More still to come, but it's great to see it. And I think what we now have to do as institutions is support Hong Kong rebound. It's an important international financial centre. I have absolute no doubt it will remain as such for the long term. Does it mean more staff from HSBC moving to Hong Kong? We're investing more in Asia, and that's in Hong Kong. Uh, we're continuing to grow our business. I take our trade business this year. It's up over 15% of the half year. Yep. So that's, that's doing well. It was up 15% last year. We're continuing to invest in China and in our wealth business in China. But I'm also investing in Singapore and India. I still see Asia as a strong platform for growth, connecting Asia to the rest of the world and the rest of the world to Asia. Do you think China just needs to adjust its COVID zero policy just quickly? I mean, it's the governments to determine their COVID policy. And when I look at China, I look at China over the long term. And I think China will emerge from COVID, as every other country in the world has done. It will be important economically to do so. Um, and we'll be ready and willing to help them then rebound their economy. Do you think COVID. that's why we're seeing this, this turmoil in Chinese markets here right now? Is it purely based on what, you know, this whole reopening story, or are there other matters too? I think there are. The COVID is a big story because with, with a restriction in movement into and out of China, it's very hard for the international community to reconnect with that economy. But it will rebound, and China will open up at some point in time. Um, but I think it is important for the economy, for China eventually, to find a solution to the COVID strategy. But we're still trading well in China. Yeah. Um, our trade into and out of China is up year on year. And we continue to invest in our wealth business. We've got over, increased over 1,300 wealth managers in the Greater Bay Area, mm-hmm. focused on tapping into the mass affluent wealth opportunity in China. We've continued to do that during COVID. Can you give us a number in terms of the staffing and headcount? How much do you, do you want to see increase uh, on that part oh, of the border? We said that we want to take our wealth managers in China to around 3,000 over the near to medium term. So we're, uh, we're over a third of the way through that. Okay. How are you managing your exposure to the property market in China? Obviously, uh, we did Commercial see your provisions yeah. uh, increase uh, here in, in your latest earnings. Do, do you foresee a big spike in, in real estate losses in China? At what point does this damage your balance sheet in any way? It's a challenge sector at the moment. Um, it's going through significant policy change. It's going through significant adjustments as a, as a sector. I'm not, go- I'm not going to understate that. We have provided well. Uh, we believe that it will take some time still before that sector stabilizes. 
criticise this, but I'm encouraged by some of the policy changes that have been introduced recently to put liquidity back into that sector domestically um, to complete the projects that need to be completed. And I'm hoping then that will start to stabilise the sector, but I think, I think it will still take some time before we can see the route out of the current challenges on China uh, commercial real estate. There now seems to be some uncertainty on what this new economic team that Xi Jinping might put in place. Do you think everyone is overly pessimistic on China, or is there something there? Well, I can speak for myself, and I'm still confident of the Chinese economy. It will emerge from COVID. It will stabilize uh, following COVID. And there is strong economic growth potential in China. And that's why we continue to invest in it. And that was HSBC's CEO, Noel Quinn, speaking with Bloomberg at the Global Financial Investment Summit. You can catch the full interview on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. Focus this morning, of course, on the U.S. economy and the Fed decision this afternoon, the press conference from Chairman Jay Powell. What will the central bank signal about the path of rate hikes ahead of it? Futures are moving just a touch higher now with S&P futures up two points. So are Dow futures. NASDAQ futures are higher by 12. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny, upper 60s for highs today. We'll get down to the low 50s tonight, sunny, mid-60s tomorrow, and a mix of sun and clouds, upper 60s on Friday. Currently 58 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Well, S&P futures are little change ahead of today's Federal Reserve decision. Consensus calls for the central bank to hike rates by 75 basis points. Stiefel Chief Economist Lindsay Piegza says forward guidance for the Fed will be very important. I do expect that given the backdrop of a five-decade low in the unemployment rate and a near four-decade high in inflation, the Fed will continue to revise higher expectations beyond what the market is anticipating in terms of that terminal rate come 2023. And that's Stiefel's Lindsay Piegza. Stick with Bloomberg Radio and Television for complete coverage of the Fed with a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance Live at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time. Well, Karen, recession calls are growing as the Fed aggressively hikes rates. And when it comes to earnings, signs of recession are likely to creep in next quarter. That's according to Mainstay Capital Chief Investment Officer David Kudla. Earnings a little more resilient than what many had thought. So earnings not being impacted as much by the slowdown in the economy, the Fed action. So what's the expectation? We'll see that next quarter. We'll Main get State our Cap- earnings recession next quarter. Mainstay Capital's David Kudla says it's unclear exactly when rate hikes will filter into the broader economy. Well, overseas, Nathan, financial leaders are meeting in Asia and sharing their thoughts on volatility and global markets. Here's Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon. We've had these periods in the past. It takes somewhere between two and four quarters, sometimes maybe six quarters, you know, to rebalance. I think we're going through that rebalancing period. 
Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon made the comments at the Global Financial Investment Summit in Hong Kong. And HSBC CEO Noel Quinn is also there, Karen. We caught up with him to discuss the economic outlook for China and the bank's business there. It's a consumption market that no one in the world can afford to just walk away from, in my view, in, in that it's got a huge opportunity. It's still a very significant supplier to the world as an export market. So I believe in the economic prospects of China. HSBC's Noel Quinn says China should and will find a solution to its COVID-0 strategy. Well, stocks in Asia rose again today, Nathan, on optimism China's COVID restrictions could ease. At the same time, though, Beijing is declaring a COVID lockdown in the area around Foxconn Technology Group's main plant. That's the world's largest iPhone factory. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 58 degrees in Central Park. Got a new accident on the Queensbound Whitestone Bridge. We'll tell you more about it in traffic. First, Michael Barr's here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Police in Newark, New Jersey are looking for the gunman who shot and wounded two police officers outside of an apartment building in a residential neighborhood. Police believe the man was hiding in an apartment while evacuating residents to safety. Newark Mayor Roz Baraka. We'll bring this guy uh, into custody uh, as, as soon as we possibly can. Mayor Baraka says the wounded officers are in stable condition. The Supreme Court has rejected Lindsey Graham's request to block a Georgia grand jury subpoena. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This clears the way for Graham to have to testify in front of the Atlanta Special Grand Jury, which is investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Graham had filed an emergency request asking the justices to halt the testimony, which is currently scheduled for November 17th. The court ruled that Graham's attorneys do have the right to object to questions on a case-by-case basis, which could leave substantial room for him to challenge questions or requests from the grand jury. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Former President Barack Obama at a campaign rally last night in Las Vegas asked voters to support the incumbent Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masta in next Tuesday's midterm election. He told the Get Out the Vote rally that casting a vote is important for democracy. The only way to save democracy is if we together fight for it. Masta is in a tight race against Republican Adam Laxalt. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorize the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. The suspect accused of breaking into Speaker Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco and attacking her husband will remain behind bars without bail. An attorney for David Papp entered a plea of not guilty. San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins said this attack shows the nation's politics have become too heated. We have become a society that thinks it's acceptable to incite violent acts against our political leaders, and we can't be that type of America. D.A. Jenkins says DePap was on a suicide mission and was planning to target other politicians. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. A World Series blowout. The Phillies tied a series record. Five home runs. The Astros had only five hits. The Phillies won game three. 7 nothing. They lead the series 2-1. Bryce Harper got him going. Two-run shot first inning. Alec Bohm and Brandon Marsh both homered an inning later. Then in the fifth, Kyle Schwarber with a man on. He went back-to-back with Reese Hoskins. All five home runs were hit off Houston's Lance McCullers. Astros shut down by Rangers Suarez and four Philly relievers. Game four is tonight. The soap opera continues in Brooklyn as the Nets turn. A surprising firing of Coach Steve Nash, considering how early in the season it is, GM Sean Marks called it more of a mutual decision. Both felt that this was this was time. Uh, it was certainly training in that way, and to be quite frank, the team was uh, was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. You know, we're, we have we've fallen um, from our goals of meeting our goals, and it was it was time now because we still have uh, lofty aspirations of where we need to get to. And then came the news of who's expected to replace Nash. Ime Udoka is currently suspended by the Celtics. There was a relationship with the Celtics employee, reportedly inappropriate text messages. He did coach the Celtics the NBA Finals last season. Jacques Vaughn coached the Nets last night. They lost to Chicago at Barclays, 108-99. The Bulls, Zach Levine scored 24th quarter points, outscored the Nets by himself. And the Nets fall to two and six. Local hockey, all three teams won. The Rangers at the Garden won nothing over the Flyers on a Chris Kreider breakaway goal with less than a minute to go in overtime. The Islanders won three one at Chicago, and the Devils won five two at Vancouver. The Rangers have won three in a row, and the Isles and Devils have won their last four. John McVay has died at ninety one. Grandfather of the Rams coach, GM of the Forty ers and once the head coach of the Giants. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Disappearing job listings and missing salary info are just some of the glitches that emerged Tuesday as New York City employers struggle to adapt to the city's new pay transparency law. The hundreds of open roles Goldman Sachs Group typically advertises in the city were reduced to just one Tuesday morning as it scrambled to amend listings with the required salary ranges. Johnson & Johnson has entered into a definitive agreement to acquire medical technology firm abided for approximately $16.6 billion. The move expands the New Jersey-based healthcare giant's medtech reach into the area of cardiovascular disease. Connecticut's XBO Logistics, one of the world's largest freight transporters, is moving forward with the announced spinoff of its truck brokerage business. Executives cite third quarter revenue of just over $3 billion as proof the company was ready for the venture. The final earnings report before XBO's scheduled spinoff this week of RXO headquartered in Charlotte. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thanks, Scott. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about dating app owner Match getting some Wall Street love after topping quarterly forecasts. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Pipeline giant energy transfer slamming President Biden's push for more oil production. I'm Jeff Bellinger. And on WTVN in Columbus, I'm reporting Dollar General is in hot water with Ohio's Attorney General over alleged deceptive pricing. I'm Caroline Hetko on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the UK Trade Secretary casting doubt on the government's independent economic forecasts. I'm Scott Carr on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting on why populations are falling across Michigan, but not Grand Rapids. 
And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. We're also watching shares of advanced micro devices this morning. They're up more than 4% in early trading after the chipmaker topped third quarter estimates. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The second largest maker of computer processors signaled that inroads in the lucrative server chip market will continue to bolster its finances. It said in the fourth quarter sales will be five and a half billion dollars plus or minus three hundred million. That missed the average estimate of about five point nine billion, but it does represent an increase at a time when several of AMD's peers are suffering contractions. The company said gains in servers and robust demand for customers chips will help bolster AMD's performance. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Futures are little changed now. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Equities trimming gains ahead of the Federal Reserve's policy meeting, a gauge of the dollar falling, gold rising. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures there, mostly higher, up three points. Dow futures up three as well, so little change. NASDAQ futures up 18. The DAX in Germany, little changed as well. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 4.04%. Yield on the two-year, 4.51%. Nymex crude oil is down a tenth of a percent, down 10 cents at $88.28 a barrel. Comex gold up half percent or $8.20 at $16.57.90 an ounce. The euro 0.9897 against the dollar. British pound 1.1495. The yen at 147.14. And Bitcoin this morning, little change at $20,500. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Senior Russian military leaders are said to have recently discussed the use of nuclear weapons on Ukraine. The New York Times reports that's according to senior American officials. U.S. officials say, though, they had not seen any evidence that Moscow is moving nuclear weapons into place. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro vowed to respect the Constitution and authorize the government to start the political transition after his loss to Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. In Game 3 of the World Series, the Phillies shut out the Astros 7-zip. Philadelphia now leads the series two games to one. In the NBA, after the firing of head coach Steve Nash, the Nets lost to the Bulls 108-99. The Warriors lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we are also coming up to a Federal Reserve decision out at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Ahead of it, we are joined this morning by Anika Gupta, Director of Macroeconomic Research at Wisdom Tree. So great to speak with you on a Fed decision day, Anika. Thanks for being with us. Is a 75 basis point move uh, pretty much a done deal today, or is there a potential chance for surprise to the upper downside to this afternoon? Well, in our view, uh, you know, Nathan, we, we do believe 
75 is pretty much a done deal. Um, I think it's too early to expect a major shift in, in stance from Fed policy. Um, you know, if we just reflect on what, uh, you know, the Fed Chair Powell said in his last meeting in September, you know, they were looking at three key things, um, to alter the pace of hikes or even to, you know, allow that pivot to take place. They wanted to see growth continuing to run below trend. They wanted to see movements in the labor market showing a return to a better balance between supply and demand. And the third one was a clear evidence that inflation was moving back down to 2%. Now, clearly, we did get growth, um, you know, a GDP growth for the U.S. was up 2.6% in Q3. But, you know, that was entirely due to a huge swing in net foreign trade. So overall, we'd see that it, it the GDP trend was a third straight reading below the 1, 1.8% median FOMC projection. But as far as the labor market and, and, you know, the trajectory of inflation is concerned, we are nowhere uh, near meeting the criterion that the Fed has set out. And so that's, you know, precisely why we don't expect to see a big um, shift in stance today. So you're not expecting much of a change in the language we hear from Chairman Powell when he gives his news conference this afternoon. The idea of a Fed pivot in your estimation is going to have to wait. Is that what I'm hearing? That's absolutely right. Um, you know, he's definitely going to be pushed hard because obviously, you know, we're seeing more commentators, you know, sharing that view that the Fed is now increasingly at a high risk of, uh, you know, pushing the economy into a recession because they've given themselves very little room for maneuver. But, you know, they, they can't take a U-turn on a statement that they've made just six weeks ago. Because there hasn't, we aren't moving towards their criterion for as far as the labor market is concerned. Neither is the inflation trajectory moving anywhere close to the two percent level. Um, and so something needs to change within these two key uh, data metrics for to allow them to even hint at a pivot at this point in time. Well, what kind of market reaction do you expect to see then if we continue to get a hawkish stance from this Fed? The thing is, Nathan, if you, you know, if you just look at the way the market has been trading over the last few days, um, you know, be it on news on, on coming out of China, um, you know, news coming out of the UK and, uh, you know, the, uh, in the aftermath of the, the recent ECB meeting, it looks like the market is looking for a catalyst to, you know, fuel that bear market rally. And even though there's, there's a dearth of those catalysts available, the market is trying to push forward um and i and i think that they it's soon going to be disappointed so as far as market reaction today uh you know if we do get a surprise and it's it's contrary to what we believe here um you know you will get a you will get that rally continuing uh, but it will die out shortly after because you know tomorrow we're going to have the key um apparel data come in uh and that's you know going to sway the market direction again in in a in a in a totally different uh, direction and hence, I think the key thing to keep in mind today is, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, you could get an extension of that bear market rally, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's, it's unlikely to last long. All right. Maybe looking ahead to December already. Thanks for this, Anika. Great having you with us this morning. Anika Gupta, Director of Macro Research at Wisdom Tree. Karen. Well, Nathan, it's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. 
Hospital outpatient departments that provide care to Medicare recipients will see a 3.8% bump next year in the payments they receive from the government. Two million GEICO customers won certification as a class in their lawsuit, which claims they were overcharged for car insurance during the pandemic. The operator of a Philadelphia construction company was fined $50,000 and sentenced to three months in prison for attempting to bribe an OSHA inspector. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. Elon Musk started his new role as the chief twit with a gag, walking into the company's San Francisco headquarters holding a SIG. He also fired the top executive team, including the CEO, the CFO, and the general counsel, and tweeted a baseless conspiracy theory about the attack on Paul Pelosi, which has since been deleted. By all accounts, it's been chaotic at Twitter, as the world's richest man considers making major changes to the 16-year-old product with its 7,000 employees. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. Is there a time limit for how long they have to turn things around? Well, yes and no. I guess on the one hand, you know, Elon Musk substantially owns this company and he's still the richest person in the world. So, you know, if they run out of money, maybe he can, you know, cough up a little bit more and and convince some of his friends and colleagues to cough up more. On the other hand, their patience is not going to be infinite to the extent that it doesn't look like this company is actually doing anything more than sort of spiraling at current altitude or maybe even falling in altitude. They're not going to be too anxious to kick in more money. And in addition, they're not really sitting on a treasure trove of cash to absorb losses that they are likely to have to incur while they're experimenting with different ways to alter and expand and monetize the platform. Although Twitter had a decent amount of cash on hand, you know, almost $6 billion on hand, a lot of that apparently went into the closing of the transaction, largely to pay off the pre-existing debt that Twitter had. So their cash margins, their margin of error is actually quite thin before they would have to go back to someone to help provide them with additional capital. I think that makes the timeline a little uncomfortably short for Mr. Musk unless, you know, he's basically just willing to provide that capital himself. And he might be, but it's certainly more painful than it would have been five or six months ago with Tesla now trading at far lower values and most of his wealth is tied up in his paper ownership of Tesla stock. In line with bringing money to the platform, he wants to take away the blue badges of verified users if they don't pay for the site's new subscription service, Twitter Blue. I think that's one of the things they're trying to experiment with is, you know, how strong are these network effects in which people who've been cultivating an online following have become verified users? How much are they willing to pay to maintain that status. Obviously, once you become prohibitively expensive, everyone decides, no, I'm either going to dump the blue badge status or I'm going to move to a different platform. And look, it's one area where, you know, he probably should be thinking a little bit about, can I monetize the folks that are likely to be the most loyal users of Twitter? And the blue badge folks are, in fact, the folks that have some of the largest networks on Twitter right now. So it's not a crazy idea to try to figure out, is it possible to monetize that in some way? But this is definitely Definitely a delicate operation, and I think it can backfire relatively quickly if you don't proceed with, you know, appropriate caution.
And that's Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's Joan Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And futures this morning, they're little change to higher with S&P futures up about three points. Dow futures little change and NASDAQ futures up 21. And Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.